How you doing, guys? Matt from the Beer Massive Podcast, back with a little bit more Wednesday beer talk. This time we're going to take a trip down the old YouTube path, visit someone who's been doing a YouTube thing for quite some time, one of the older faces when it comes to YouTube beer talk and beer reviews. Kind of funny to say that because he's quite young in comparison, and that would be uh, Peter from the Master of Hobbits. Yes, Peter Van Gottenberg Jensen. He is a longtime beer reviewer on YouTube, uh, one of the more widely viewed YouTubers out there, and he brings a unique perspective to beer in general, uh, being that he got into it so young, not being from the United States, but then traveling the United States, spending some time here, uh, getting into beer here, and then moving back overseas and becoming a brewer. So while still reviewing beers and brewing beers, living in that unique kind of world where he's on both ends of the spectrum, but also having that unique insight doing this both on the Euro scene and the United States scene. So yeah, sit back, relax. We're going to sit here and uh, talk about some, uh, some beer stuff, some YouTube stuff, a whole bunch of fun stuff. So here we go. Peter Van Gottenberg Jensen, the master of hoppets. Enjoy. It's accurate, and they didn't know what it was. And I explained yeah. what it was, and like you have to like uh, a caraway because yeah, it's caraway so... rye bread. It's like drinking caraway <laughs> rye bread. <laughs> yeah, it's like so heavily, and it's boozy. I mean, it's like fifty yeah. percent at least over here, yeah. fifty-one or something. Yeah, uh, and then we forty percent over here. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then I think it was around forty. Maybe that it was the exact same bottle you sit with right there because that's like the US <laughs> export one. So yeah, yeah. I, I brought that to a party and everyone hated it. <laughs> so uh, I yeah. actually love it. I never had it until I met my wife. And I'm a uh, second I had it. I'm like, I, but I'm uh, like literally my favorite thing, almost like a, a um, like a, a death row meal or last meal. It might involve caraway rye bread. That's how much I love caraway rye bread. So when I had it, they were trying to explain it to me, but they didn't say caraway. They were just like, oh, it's spicy and this and that and the other thing. And um, and I drank it. I'm like, this is like drinking my favorite thing on earth. I'm like, I fucking <laughs> love this. And it got me really, really, I got really peeved because um, uh, Hill Farmstead did a Aquavit barrel-aged beer. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, but it's Hill Farmstead, so yeah, I couldn't get it. You know what I mean? Because it's it's what they do. But I was so chomping at the bit to try that. I was like, oh my god, that's gotta be heaven. Uh, so yeah, there's we'll a couple see. of breweries over here that's done Akavit barrel aged beers, and I I know uh, because Three Floyds got involved with Mickler and opening Warpigs, they did uh, Akavit barrel aged Dark Lord at one at one year. Really? Yeah. Did you have it? Did you try it? No, you can still buy it in Copenhagen, but it's like 125, 150 bucks. So no one gets it, <laughs> and it, you know if it's if, if it was like maybe the vanilla marshmallow handy or something, people would pay that. Yeah. But because yeah. it's an aquavit version, people are like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I I find a couple like-minded people and it's like let's split this bottle. It's got to be you know <laughs> just for the experience alone and just the fact that it's, it's and that's the thing over there. It's probably I would imagine if they brought it over here, it would sell because over there it's like aquavit is kind of like. I guess a more kind of like generic spirit over there, I would imagine. It's kind of like it's a traditional spirit, and it's but it's also a bit like the old man's spirit. It's like something you associate with like your parents and grandparents and whatnot mm -hmm. that they drink for for festive occasions. So we have yeah. it like every Easter and every uh, like Christmas. You, you always have it, but often if you go out to dinner, you have it as well. If you go to like classic restaurants, we actually mm -hmm. I just before this I came I, I was out to celebrate. 
Yeah, well, it's actually a belated Christmas present for my grandmother. We went to a very historic tavern close to here that uh, was um, like a hub for freedom fighters during World War II. That's made okay. movies and stuff about it. And they have like a three-page Aquavit menu. Just really? With different, yeah, yeah, of different types of Aquavit. And then you have like the old-school classic Danish food that we also have for Christmas and whatnot. And then you could get it with Aquavit. We didn't have Aquavit because we were driving there and it's in the middle of nowhere. But they have a huge selection of it. So it's And people still drink it. I mean, if we have Christmas parties at with friends or whatever, it's just a yeah. tradition. You have to have a bottle uh, of, of, of Aquavit. That's just how it is. Where where I am, um, where I grew up in uh, in Pennsylvania, I originally lived in New Jersey, and and up where I moved into Pennsylvania, I moved there when I was like twelve, and a uh, huge Polish background, so a lot of it's uh, blackberry brandy. That's like the, oh, that's yeah. the thing that is like constantly like, um, and everybody's house you go to, there's a big bottle of Larue blackberry brandy, and it's just like everybody's like, you got to drink some, and if it's like. Oh, good God. I'd rather drink this because that's uh, like this. I mean, not that Alborg is it, uh, you know, it's unique in and of itself, but blackberry brandy, especially Polish blackberry brandy is like drinking like sugar water. It's like uh, just the yeah. sweetest thing in the history of mankind. I can't even do it. It's kind of like a liqueur or what? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah. Like, a yeah, it's more of a liqueur, but uh, it's so sweet. It's sweet. It's like, sweet okay. <laughs> like it's barely yeah you're eating you're drinking candy but hey man people buy that beer wise so why wouldn't people want to drink that in liquor who knows there's a there's a big tradition in denmark of, of making it yourself as well uh okay. but but you don't distill it like you kind of mix it with so if it's basically a lot of companies uh even Olbo does it Olbo Akavik, the Denske Spritfabrik is the main company name but they make like base akavits with no flavorings and like small jars and then you can flavor okay. it yourself. My dad does it. He does like so many different ones. Flavor it with dill, flavor it with uh, cherries, whatever. So you have the base uh, Akavit already with the caraway. And that's the only thing like for an Akavit to be an Akavit, it has to be at least like 40% and it has to have uh, caraway. And then uh, you can put in whatever else you like. So he does like very, all kinds of Ramson he did one year as well. It's like he just does it with, with whatever he has on hand. Um, so yeah, it's a big tradition. But when you make it yourself like that, it's got a different name, and it's very hard to pronounce. But it's called <laughs> Yisk. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. the um, they they kind of do that over here. I'm sure they do it other places. I have a couple friends that are um, I believe, what do they call it? Le Lemoncella? Is that what it's oh, called? Oh yeah, where they, yeah. Where they take like they take like a grain alcohol, but then they make their own kind of concoction out of it and stuff like yeah. that. I think it's either Italian or Spanish. Um, base or something like that, and uh, they're not actually distilling it, making it themselves. So, hey, you know, it, it, you know, uh, necessity is a mother of invention. So if you, yeah. know, if you need something and, and it's not to your taste, you might as well make it, make it the way you want. So, uh, I think we're actually doing the podcast already because I'm leaving that part yeah. in. So uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's let's actually just go from there. Welcome to the Aquavit uh, show with me and Peter, the master of hop. It's um, now welcome to the beer massive podcast. Um, we're back from a little bit of a hiatus due to uh, COVID and whatnot, but uh, yeah, having a bunch of different guests on, having some brewers, having some journalists, and then we got a fellow beer tuber on by the name of Peter. Uh, what's going on, brother? Uh, not much talking to you, hanging out, talk to Craig a beer soon. Uh, yeah. yeah, doing good, nice, nice, nice. So, the first thing I want to say out of the shoot is like, did you ever 
do any kind of research to see how, how where you place as far as one of the original beer tubers because it wasn't like the first beer tuber around 2008 2007 2008 i believe and i think you, you started doing around 2009 yeah correct? yeah actually when i started i watched joe d and uh, l harlock lee mm -hmm. from canada yeah. and i have yeah. like before i actually started the channel i tried to do some videos with a phone an old camera phone like a sony ericsson whatever like shitty quality where i filmed just the beer and not myself being poured and i try to talk about it and you can see in the background i think it's sierra nevada pale ale and i have the website up so people can see the website on the computer and then i try and talk it was a weird <laughs> format and i do you still have much, them on my old computer i do have yeah you should <laughs> upload some <laughs> it would be interesting i think it's rather cringeworthy i mean when i did the channel wait was it the crazy ericsson phone that twisted open uh no, rotated? okay no 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 but the, it was not one of those <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a newer one but it was just one that was marketed as being a great camera phone and it has a had flash photography and stuff like that so uh, okay we got a beer coming so i got this really so Schlinkala Hillis. And I even think she found the glass. Oh, she found a bottle of it. Ooh, great having a girlfriend on hand helping out. <laughs> if only I had something to drink. Oh man. <laughs> this is this not is coordinated by anybody. Like this is not we didn't do this on purpose. This is just random. No, yeah, that's totally random. Okay, yeah, yeah. It made it to the US as well. The unfiltered one, right? Um, well, this is actually this is really interesting. Um they sell the one that you have in the bottles here in the United States. This is a company called Be United. Um, they're actually an importer uh, over here in the United States. They actually, um, they import beer. They actually import Schlackler beers. They're their main importer over here. But they've started doing something very interesting where they actually uh, have Schlackler fill up tankers and ship the whole tanker to the United States. And then they can it themselves at the facility. That's pretty. I saw some pictures of that, like these huge tankers that they're uh, shipping yeah. over they, with fresh beer. And the cool, the best thing they've been doing with that is, is um, they've been doing it with like uh, big beers, like uh, J.W. Lee's Harvest Ale, and they've been doing little eight ounce cans of like J.W. Oh. Lee's Harvest Ale and stuff like that. So you're getting these more proper small format of these huge beers, uh, which is really cool. They're also a brewery called OEC. I don't know if you've ever had anything from them. No, um, but they um. They make a bunch of great beers also, but yeah, yeah, nice. But is that the unfiltered one? Because I've seen like the unfiltered one, it has just a small like line underneath the label where it says unfiltered in the States, because I know it's in cans unfiltered in the States, but in Europe, it has a huge area. It's just like special edition. Yes. Yeah. It says unfiltered. Yeah. So it's like the first time they've ever done this uh, and they, they release it, I think late last year for the first time. And then they had a big release a couple months ago. Well, no, that's the thing. This is one of the one from last year. That's how old this is. Ah, it's ah, like okay. from, it was canned August 2020 or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, this but it's is... still very tasty. I drank one last night. Ah, that's good. This is a month old, so this is really fresh. And you can <laughs> what I love about this beer, the marshmallow fluff head you can make on it. The hip yeah, retention yeah. is crazy. Yeah, it's the original um, slow pour beer. You know, you can get that kedge. If you really, if you got another bottle, you probably get the head to come that far out of the, out of the actual uh, 
the actual uh, thing. But um, like, why did you choose that beer to drink today? Is that just one of your staple favorites, or it's? See, as I've been like, I've been really getting into lagers, and I've had a big throwback to some classic beer. Uh, I love to try all the haze and barrel aged stouts and fun stuff, mm-hmm. whatever. But on my own, if I'm drinking a beer, I'll usually go for a lager because I, it's just so nice to drink. And then um, for a while, Schlenkala was kind of in and out of the country here. But then I found out like on their web shop in Germany, you can buy these bottles for like one and a half euros a bottle, which is like, what, one and a half dollars a bottle, yeah, which yeah. is, it's nuts. Yeah, we, it's we, so we six bucks a bottle, five, five to six bucks a bottle over here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nuts. It's so cheap and shipping is affordable too. So I've just been, you know, buying it straight at the source and having cases shipped up just to have around Dude. because it's such a great beer. Do you like their bigger stuff too, like the Marzen and the Doppelbach and all those? Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, Schenkala has been a, a favorite brewery of mine for a while. I've been to the brewery a couple of times down in Bamban and, and visited their tap room as well. Uh, last time I was there, we had a private room. They have a private. You can book a private room there, and with a friend of mine who works in a beer store down there called Biotique. Uh, he was in chat with uh, chess with Kinkala, and they brought out some vintage bottles from the cellar. Ooh. And then we had a private tasting in a private room around a round table with our own wait- waitress. So we were having this tasting, drinking these beers. We had food. And then uh, she came in once in a while. Do you need something else to drink? It was amazing. So just, and then just dead fresh Helles or Madsen, whatever. I, I like all their beers, but I think my all-time favorite of their beers is probably the Urbuk uh, because okay. it's like the most smoky. But yeah, I wouldn't drink a lot of it. Like this is yeah. the beer that they make. You can drink quite a few of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, I think it was probably it had to be over a year ago because I did it with a friend and um, a friend of mine, and we were together. So it was pre-pandemic, but we did it. We did a nine-year vertical of the Doppelbach from like wow. like yeah 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 which we thought was a in- very interesting idea we did it live on youtube we were <laughs> like this is gonna be great and then once we got to the third one we're like oh shit what are we doing right now um and it was like uh it, i think it spanned from like 2005 to 2000 like whatever 14 or something like that of the of the of the doppelbach and it was fun but yeah no i'm, I'm not gonna do a, a nine-year <laughs> vertical of doppelbach ever again <laughs> well i will but I'll forget about it. It's kind of like <laughs> anytime you do something horrible, you forget about it and go back to it and say, never do it again. Um, <laughs> well, you, you're getting into loggers like big. Was that ever like, where did you progress? How did you get, how did you get in the beer tube? Like what was the beer that turned you on that made you want to start doing those kind of things? And has that, was that originally kind of lager realm, lager, lager territory? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've always grown up with, Lager being the big thing uh, in Denmark, the drinking age is 16. So like you start quite early experimenting with trying things. And even in high school, high school parties, you're allowed to drink. And there's, you know, there's a bar there. It's a teachers run the bar and they are, they're the one that pours you the beer, but that's the mass produced stuff. It's Tuborg, it's Carlsberg, it's whatever. Um, so I would, and if we had a party, I'd ask him about what about this and that and this and that. And in the beginning, it was like I I drink you know Carlsberg, then maybe try Stella, then try whatever and this and that. And then there was like two beers that kind of was were the game changers. Uh, one was a English Golden Ale from the Badger Brewery called Golden Champion. It was a, a what was a Golden Ale with elderflower or something like that. 
And that was oh, the okay. first time I had like a really fruity beer. So I was like, yeah. wow, can beer taste like that? And I was like, it was so weird. Uh, I remember just being quite baffled by the fact that a beer could taste like fruit and flowers and whatever. And then the, the other beer was a total different ballpark beer. It was a Baltic Porter. And in Denmark, we have a history of brewing Baltic Porters for, for the, uh, the Baltic market. Carlsberg's mm -hmm. done it and whatnot. And in our city, there's quite like one of the most famous and highest rated Baltic Porters in Europe is from originally my city, but moved production to another brewery up north called uh, Tista Limpios Porter. And it's a 7.2% Baltic Porter with smoked malt and English licorice. And uh, oh. so, you know, quite a different ballpark. And that was Especially just like. Them, and that was when? I mean, think yeah. about that combination. What, what was the date? You're probably talking about early 2000s. It, it's been around 2007, I think. Yeah. Something so, like I mean, when I tried it, adjuncts and it'd be like that. It's pretty interesting. I mean, That's it, in that format. It was, you know, it's been around for years. It was released with these things in, in the beer in 1989. Oh, geez. So it's been around for a while. And my dad grew up drinking it. And, you know, on the, it has such a weird history because on the back of the label, there is, uh, or it used to be recipes for mixed drinks you could make with it if you went out because they were trying at one point it got it was, sales were not too crazy because people um were a bit afraid of the dark if you could say it like that because it's you know they're really smoky and roasty and whatnot oh there That's, you go porter <laughs> this is one of the original baltic uh, Por, baltic porter was one of the original beers that got me into beer too and it's the ah, it's cool pooter so or porter and baltic porter but that's pretty cool man a baltic yeah. porter getting yeah. that gap for you yeah, totally. Um, and it was it, was it on from there? Well, like from there, you're just like, I need to, I need to figure out what's going on here. How deep can I go down the rabbit hole, kind of thing? It just started with me checking out different things. After that, you know, I, I just really gravitated toward English beer because I, you know, I liked the porter, but it was still, you know, when you only know pilsners and you have a the palate of a seventeen year old, uh, it's quite offensive you can say like when flavors are ashy and roasty and smoky and licorice mm -hmm. so i kind of liked it but my dad taught me to do a half and half with it where you mixed half porter and half pilsner uh, so that was how i drink it in the beginning uh but then you know i started exploring english beer and i discovered fuller's and samuel smith's and all that and i was like wow this is so interesting and then a friend of mine in school was kind of into it too and he was from Poland, so whenever he would go home to visit family, he would bring back Baltic porters from Poland. So we would drink like Siviets uh, Porta and stuff like that, and uh, also just lots of random Polish lagers. And yeah. I, I think also like honey beers was a big thing at one point in Poland before they had a big craft revolution. So we drank that, and also some fruit beers, I think. And then uh, fr from there, we kind of gravitated towards uh, just trying different beers and uh, in, in different styles so we tried uh, a lot of the english stuff because we also had an english bar like an english pub so we went there to drink uh, beer on cask actually uh because it was a cask certified english pub one of the only ones outside of the uk or something at that point run by an englishman of course so we drink a lot of english cask ale and a little after that we found out we also had a small bottle shop in the city and they were kind of the ones that started introducing me to the real American stuff and whatnot. And, you know, all the American styles like IPAs and, and things like that. I had tried some when traveling, mainly in 2007, I think, when I was on the Virgin Islands. I tried 
Flying Dog for the first time, which I think was my first American Pale Ale. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't until I kind of started going to that shop that it really started progressing, where we tried like Flemish Utbruns and, and Lambic and all kinds of stuff. And you're talking about if you're talking same timeline around 2007, eight around. There. Yeah, it's been something yeah. like that, just right up until I started the channel. And then, uh, then if you're getting American stuff, it's probably just what Sierra Nevada, Bells, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, we we did get a lot of Great Divide as well. Like Yeti was okay. on the shelves Yeti's and in yeah. um, Bombers. And what else was it? That was also another Avery. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Avery's uh, the big barrel aged stuff, like Uncle Jacob's Stout and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, no, not Uncle Jacob's even. I think it was. The Tsar was one of them, Russian Imperial. Oh, style. yeah, yeah. Was the Dictator a series style. and Mar yeah, yeah, yeah. Maharaja and the okay, yeah. Kaiser. Uh, yeah, Hog Heaven, the Reverend, the Beast, Samuel's Ale. Samuel's yeah. still one of my favorite beers of all time. I love that goddamn beer. What, um, why did you hit record on YouTube? Were yeah. you just watching it and then you're just like, I want to do this, or is that simple? I did rate beer, uh, and I didn't like writing reviews. And then I looked up on YouTube if anyone did reviews on YouTube, and a few people did. And I was like, "Hey, it's a good way to log what I'm drinking, and it's a bit fun because I was a whole that was a little bit of a community aspect about it." So I just started doing it myself. That was, was pretty much it. Was there a reason why you chose to do it in English from the get? Yeah, just because I felt like I could reach a broader audience if people were actually interested in watching it. And also because I was an English major in school. When I started that, I just started the university around the time I started the channel. And my major was English. So I, I don't know. I just felt like it went hand in hand. And also because I drank a lot of international beers. And I already knew that you know beer was not as big in Denmark as it is now. So it just ended up being English. Did you ever get any kind of guff from people being like, come on, man, do your reviews in your native language, like locally or anything like that? People give you a little bit of sass? Mm, no, never. Actually, none, no one have ever asked me to. I remember in the beginning, people thought it would be fun if I did videos in Danish, but we never just got around to it. I think we did one video or something like that, uh, or two maybe, where we did subtitles just because people wanted to hear what it sounded like when we spoke Danish. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, no. And um, just knowing that, you know, your native language, Danish, when you see an American um, uh, beer reviewer uh, re review a Danish beer, how much do you laugh during the pronunciation? No, uh, well, I don't really laugh. <laughs> you kind of like, eh, that's kind of funny when they try to pronounce it. But uh, yeah, most people butcher it because it's a very hard language. <laughs> um. And you said you went to university for English as an English major. You ended up coming over here to the United States where you're over here for about a year, year and a half. Uh, six months. Six months. Was yeah. that part of the program? Like, is that when you're being an English major, you pretty yeah. much need to come here? Is that part of it? Or was it, it also was, kind of like you wanted to anyway? Yeah, it was like a, a voluntary thing. When we when I started, they, they said, like, on the fourth semester, you'll have the ability to go abroad to an English speaking country. And we think it's a very good idea if you want to teach English. And I was like, hey, yeah, of course I want to do that. And then I talked to a friend in, in school and in, in my class and 
And we said, yeah, let's do it. Let's sign up. And then like a month before we had everything ready, we got a scholarship from the university to go and all kinds of stuff. And then just like the month before I was leaving, he was like, yeah, I don't want to leave anyways. Uh, okay. And then I just went on my own and knew no one there. It was quite the experience. Like I knew no one. I just knew being dropped in a for foreign country in the state, uh, in the in the middle of the desert because it's New Mexico. And then just like doing your own thing. It was it was a, a, quite a cool experience. <laughs> What? Uh, why New Mexico? Was that just kind of the the place that was kind of penned as the place you would go, or did you have a choice between a region? I, I had a choice between collaborative universities because if I chose a collaborative university that worked with ours, I wouldn't have to pay tuition because uh, okay. then they had a program where like they we they took exchange students from that university and vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, back then, you know, I, it was because of beer, I chose New Mexico because it was closest to California and I wanted to explore <laughs> the Californian beer scene. That was why I chose New Mexico. My other choice was Iowa and that was before, you know, toppling and all that. And then, uh, East Georgia <laughs> and also North yeah, Dakota, Georgia. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, Georgia would have been cool because you had access to the East coast and there's a big railway yeah. system you can get around, but, yeah. um, so no, like you know, that, when did you come to the states again? What was that? 2012, 2013. So bit twelve was what I've been before the exchange trip. So the first time was in six, then seven, and then in twelve on exchange, and then I didn't go back until eighteen. Okay. When you did, when you came here in 2012 for the exchange, you said you came by yourself, so you didn't really know much of anything. I think that probably ended up being a positive for you um, because it, it forces you to immerse yourself. Because if you have somebody else, you just hang out with them and kind of bounce off that person. So it forces you to go yeah. in. Knowing you're already knee deep in the beer, you're doing beer stuff, you move here. What was the biggest like plus and minus? Uh, for for like what was not even that not a broader question like what was the culture shock moment uh beer specifically um of like coming here like this is so different um was there anything in particular or was it more just like oh, go ahead sorry the the shock was the support of local breweries in Denmark people have always had like their thing with local breweries like yeah we like to go to this and this and that but Danes because we're a small country, we don't like to travel far for some reason. For example, we think a five-hour car ride to Copenhagen is crazy long. Or you can actually do it maybe in three and a half. But we think that's crazy long. If we have to drive an hour, we think it's crazy long. Like, because the country is so small. <laughs> but in the States, you hear people make these crazy road trips to visit breweries. I was like, you actually do that? That's so cool because Danes didn't do that. They wouldn't bother. Not like these crazy beer journeys. Not until people got really into beer around maybe actually the time I went to the states that was where it, it really boomed. Uh, yeah. That was all you know first small waves, and then around that time with like all the craft beer bars really popping up and and stuff like that. Um, but I was really impressed by the fact that Americans really wanted to travel for beer because uh, I never experienced that, and also the whole like atmosphere of like going to your local brewery, buying growlers, having them filled up, and bringing them home. Like no one did that here. Like. Most of the local beers would just be bottles. You bought it in a supermarket or whatever, or maybe you went to a brewery that was a brew pub and went there to eat, and that's all. Like the, I, I feel like the support of the local brewery thing was just much more intense than it was at home. And then again, like fucking people driving all over the place to visit, like Hill Farmstead or all this stuff, like in the middle of nowhere, like destination tourism, kind of almost. You, like that's very new here. Uh, so yeah, that was really cool. 
Now you're talking about uh, New Mexico. Um, there's some really great breweries out that way. Um, but you said you came here specifically um, to kind of, well, not specifically, but you wanted to pick at universities who had access to California. So what was the first California brewery that you went to when you made that first road trip and why was it Russian river? <laughs> it wasn't Russian river. Oh never, no. no. <laughs> what was it? Uh, so I actually stayed with Ryan Rashan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fellow YouTube, or he used to do YouTube stuff. He just maybe once in a while. Yeah. Every now and then he pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Called the, or Stumpy Joe Jr. Uh, so I actually, because I was doing YouTube, I knew so many people around the States. So, I mean, I I, I met him. I met uh, Winton as well, who did the Burichi Tuba, UET Tuba. Uh, I met Chad from Chad's Beer Reviews back then. Uh, but him and I went, I think the first place we went to was Stone. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I had uh, Pliny the Elder on tap for the first time, which was real fun. Uh, nice. but it wasn't dead fresh, and I remember being a little bit disappointed because it wasn't like super in your face, but it yeah. was nice. <laughs> but that was the and first then, experience, and I was mind blown by Ed Stone. Like, the, the location was, I was just like, yeah. wow, this is crazy. I mean, that's, I mean, like, I have limited experience um uh with uh overseas but it's like it seems like that the, the, the vastness of the united states tends to be the biggest kind of thing for a lot of people like it's just opens the buildings are bigger the road the trips are longer everything's just yeah. bigger you know what i mean sometimes as a detriment <laughs> you know what i mean because yeah. the people are bigger and crazier and whatnot um so six months man like did that did that change you quite a bit i mean six months is a long time but you can fit a lot in in six months like when you arrived here and then when you went back like did did you see yourself change beer wise just as far as like what you thought about beer your palate all those kind of things i got really hooked on californian style of you know of, of ipas like i already liked west coast ipas but back then when I was in Denmark, we got West Coast IPAs, we got Green Flash, whatever, but, old, but like four or five months old bottles on shelves. So I thought that was how West Coast beers were. And then you go to the West Coast and you sit there at Stone and you have fresh Ruination IPA on tap and you're like, what? <laughs> because you just you didn't expect it to be like this intense. And also the big, huge mind-blowing thing was we went to uh, Alpine. And uh, old school okay. Alpine, I was just like... Yeah, power record, the whole nine. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So that that was one of the biggest surprises. Was like American beer, especially IPAs, are not what we're experiencing. And also because they were so old, they're often oxidized. But you didn't really notice that because that was part of the profile. Because American beer was kind of like that when you got it over here. Yeah, at, at least the IPAs. When you um, it, not just you, but when you got back, did you see? Because you're talking about 2012 to 13. That's that is literally like when everything started to go crazy across the board beer wise. Yeah, yeah. Was was Denmark was that area where you where you grew up? Did it change when you got back? When you got back, was beer different there, or was it much the same? And when much, and if not, when did it change? When did it explode? Yeah, I, I think you could mostly look at Denmark as a whole in terms of beer scene because we're so small. So that isn't like the big vast regional variant. Uh, maybe if you can see, there is a bit of a regional variant. In uh, in terms of uh, splitting it by saying uh, Sealand slash Copenhagen and the rest, <laughs> because okay. Copenhagen is a bit more progressive and it's you know it's a bigger yeah. city and a lot of the most well known breweries from Denmark are uh, based in that area, uh, but uh, it was definitely more there was already a tendency to brew more American kind of stuff, 
but I think just since 2012, it just took hold even more. And people was more and more influenced by the American scene. And Mick, around that time, Mickler also started doing Mickler Beauty uh, or the Mickler uh, Celebration uh, oh. Festival. Oh, what's it called? Copenhagen Beer Celebration, CBC. Uh, and they, I think they did the first year in 2012, actually. Yeah. Uh, so you started getting all these hype brewers over and things like that. And then a lot of, especially in Copenhagen, like Amap or Coops, they started doing loads of collaboration with a lot of these hype breweries. So like people started to get more of a feel for, especially the American culture and what was going on in the States. Because before that, a lot of craft breweries, there were some like doing all these American beers. Like there was a few kind of, pioneers and like beer here and Mickler and Noble Boy Hoops when Sean Hill from Hill Farmstead was a brewer there. Uh, so they were like pioneering like barrel aged beer and stuff like that. But otherwise small local breweries would brew, you know, classic German beer or Belgian beer or English ales or whatever. So it's kind of like that. And then after that, it seems like the American tradition was pushed even more. So like, it's just, it just took hold like crazy. How has it changed since then? Because it almost seems like it, it, they took that kind of American influence, but now it seems like they're they're slowly starting to bring their own. Like, and this is every region, just not yours. But it seems like everybody's taken it as a jumping off point and started to kind of push their own kind of vibe and essence into their beer, whether it be like terroir based stuff, hop based stuff, kind of fruits and stuff like that. How how different has that changed from them trying to mimic American beer to a certain extent to now kind of brewing their own beer? You know, I think there's still a huge tendency to mimic the American scene. Like whenever a new brewery opens up, New England IPA, New England IPA, New England IPA, New England IPA, New England IPA. <laughs> like that's how it is in the beginning until they get a foothold and then they start playing around a bit more. Uh, I, with the exception of a few uh, where they're throwing a bit more back to classic European stuff. A brewer, two breweries I could name drop, Slow Burn Brewing Company and Bad Seed Brewing. They do loads of varied styles. They kind of do a bit more classic stuff. They still do the hazy IPAs, but mm -hmm. they are looking more at exploring like the different styles of lager or classic uh, like stouts and, and things like that. Um, but it, especially lager, a lot of brewers are trying to do stuff like that here uh, as well now. And, and it's much the same over here. Like a lot of, you know, even boutique breweries, like, you know, other half and, and breweries like that are making a lot of lagers. Which it, it, it plays over here, but the price point, because, you know, tank space is time and it costs money and loggers, you can't rush them unless you're Jack's Abbey. But um, it's got to be even harder over there because, you know, mm. even though we're macro logger over here, you're tr more grounded mm. in traditional logger over there. How does like the, the local guy down the road go to the brewery and is he like, yeah. how do they accept the new school kind of logger thing? It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of split in two camps. And if it's Mickler from or Mickler from Mickler, he's been announcing like the last, past two years or so. He hoped it would be the year of the lager because he's been also like really trying to promote it, and they've been brewing a lot of lagers and whatnot. Uh, but it seems to be two camps. There's the camp that really is starting to get into it and love the simplicity and elegance of a lager and all the soft, uh, complex nuances because lagers are complex when they're well made. It's just soft beer. It's not smack in the face beer like uh, mm -hmm. a, you know a big barrel aged pastry stout or whatever. Um, so there's that camp that's kind of gets it. And then there's the camp that says, I do not want to pay a craft premium for a lager mm -hmm. because they are associating most lager with, you know, either whatever 
crappy macro stuff or from a, a regional size brewery that's fairly huge where it's decent yeah. uh, so they can get it cheaper. So it kind of falls into two camps, uh, which is pretty interesting because craft lager is more expensive here. It's the same price as, you know, an IPA, a New England IPA sometimes. And people are like, yeah, it's a lager. And I feel, I, I've tried to advocate against that just because you shouldn't knock a lager just because it's expensive and then not buy it and buy the and you an ipa instead just because you feel like that's more fair because it's more hops because it takes up tank space it takes a longer yeah. time to produce and if you're not a huge family-run brewery that's been around for generations you can't make mm -hmm. it at those price points that's just how it is uh, but it's isn't, a, but isn't there like a difference though because it's like you know when the, when the big when the big producer you know the big not even macro level but a huge brewery tries to make like a hazy on on their system it rarely they can rarely kind of get to the level that you would get from like a smaller kind of like um you know boutique kind of brewery but that's that they're trying to get to that hazy kind of that richness yeah. and fullness the impact of hops whereas the 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 smaller craft brewery is really trying to get unless they're doing a, a, like an americanized crazy hopped up version of a lager they're really trying to get to where the traditional person is like not the crappy macro level kind no, of, no, but like the old school, very old well. School. Done traditional. Yes. So when you can pick up a, like a really traditional old school, Austrian or German kind of lager, Czech lager for at eight 99, uh, whatever, a six, and then you get a four pack for 16 bucks when they're trying to get there. That's what they're trying to mimic to yeah. a certain extent, but with their own profile, it's a, it's a different road to hoe, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. And it's also a difficult one because it's also yeah. it's a bit harder to sell and harder to market. And I think a lot of the time it's also a lot of these beers are made by brewers for brewers. Uh, if you can yes. say like almost yes. all brewers want to make a great perfect lager, they're just so hard to make, uh, and they are harder to market to yeah. uh, the craft audience because of yeah. the reasons we talk about. So I think it's that's part of it as well. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. that's uh, I hear. If you go to a French a French restaurant and you're standing there talking to a, a cook, and if you want to know if he's a good cook, you don't say, make me this crazy souffle. You just go, make me an omelet. Yeah. <laughs> make me an omelet. Because I'm going to judge you on that basic, simple omelet. You know what I mean? That's like a lot of brewers. That's how they do it. Show me a lager. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? The um. Oh God, I, I totally spaced. I'll have to cut this part out because I had something else I wanted to talk to you about, about uh, specifically versus stuff over there. Eh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, oh, back to the YouTube channel. Um, did you see any kind of change in what um, people following you or, or comments or whatever from your trips? Because you do a lot of American beers. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? On your channel, you have a lot of people send over beers. You do a lot of like big bukiki beers. You do a lot of all kinds of beers. So did, you know, predominantly most of your beers that you were doing before you came over here were kind of stuff, regional stuff that you had over there. Over here, you did a lot of American beers. Now, when you move back overseas, back home, um, you're kind of split down the middle of what you do. Mm. Do you see any kind of like gain or loss or different kind of engagement with your audience based on, a, on what you're covering? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think my like my biggest audience is still Americans, which is yeah. weird. But I think it's because I've covered so much American stuff uh, over the years. Uh, and then I think second is like Great Britain or something. And then Germany and Sweden and Denmark is actually a bit far down the list. But um, yeah, it's, it's a bit split. And you can, you know, I try to have a foot in both camps. 
and I, I can you, you can definitely see that a lot, I know a lot of people think it's really fun to hear what I think about like hype stuff or very well known used called patiki beers and stuff like that. So a lot of people want to see that. Uh, but then I throw in like for example some Danish beer, new local brewery, whatever. I think it's really good. People don't have the same interest in that because there's still a big portion of American viewers, so they don't know what it is. So you kind of sometimes have to put like if it's really good put a clickbaity title on it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, so it's kind of, you know, like that. But whenever I do like really classic beer, people love that. I'm starting to do like a lot of classic throwback videos and, and whatnot. And uh, people really think it's fun to hear what I think of some of those kind of beers. And I think a lot of the Americans that like to see that as well is because that's most of the European stuff that they know and can get because like all the more famous modern European brewers, they don't really do distribution to, to the States. Like, like all the Hayes brewers over here and, and whatnot, they, they don't really do that. They focus on the European yeah. market because the American market is so huge and flooded with, you know, breweries. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's kind of like, it's a split. I'm amazed at the, the level of stuff you get from the United States over there at sometimes, you know what I mean? Some of the breweries that I can't even touch over here. Like I live in the United yeah. States and, <laughs> and you guys have like, you know, three sons and like all kinds of these crazy big breweries kind of show up in your shelves over there. And I'm like, dude, I'm like you're five States it's, over. I can't get it. Yeah. It's great. I it's, speak. You just mentioned three sons a couple of weeks ago. I in Europe bought a bottle of Smortal combat from three sons on a web shop. It's just like it's a limited one-off from a brewery in the states, but you yeah. know I think it's because there's also a lot of these import companies that does this and whatnot. They have a lot of relationships with these breweries because of the beer fests. Yes. For some reason, one of the big pulls for us getting these things is also because the Mickler Beer Fest in Copenhagen. That kind of became like a you know if you were something in the beer industry, you're invited to that festival, and that kind of helped the European market get a lot of these crazy things because brewers would bring bottles, you know, they'd send a few cases of some kind of hype stuff, whatever that'd be sold in Copenhagen during that week and, and what, and then, you know, some distributors meet these brewers at the festival and whatnot. And they make, you know, they make friends with them and they start talking about doing distribution and whatever. So like, you know, like right now we get Fremont on the reg, like Fremont barrel aged <laughs> stouts. It's just like, what <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> Which a, is it's nice. almost like it's a, it's almost like it's a, a half beer, a beer convention, and half beer festival like it's like yeah. a marketing convention for all the brewers to kind of intertwine and and get their fingers in the european market and that's the other part like you guys we don't see any of that come back over here you know what i mean like all, like you know i've had verdant but that's because some person in england has literally packages up and sent it to me because they yeah. wanted me to try it it's not like we can actually get it here off a shelf or something like that which is absolutely insane and and it seems like from what i've seen is that a lot of the breweries that you do get over there now they they're, the 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 logistics of getting it there is quite a bit better. You know, if you get yeah. an equilibrium over there now, it's you know less than two months old, not yeah. four months old. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what's the it's, price point over there for that stuff? I'm curious about that. If you were to buy uh, any of that stuff, for example, I think we we just got a few months back. We got cans of the collab equilibrium does with District 97, 96. Uh, the yeah, sexual, sexual fluctuation triple IPA, really good beer. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was like 140 crowns a can, so that's like almost like 20 bucks a can. 20 bucks a can. But that's how it is here with the with the import fees and all yeah. that shipping, well, and then there is a VAT, the European tax yeah. system, and then there is taxes on alcohol and all that stuff. 
So like they have to get a huge amount over, but still, and then they have to make a profit as well. So, uh, you know, some of those beers beers over here are quite expensive off the shelf. We just started getting actually distributed off the shelf here in in New Jersey. And we're not paying $20 a can, but sexual flush fluctuation off a shelf over here would be about $35 a four pack. Okay. But you also mostly have to buy four packs, right? Yeah. We like if, places over here will break up um, beers in the singles, but then they're even more expensive. It's not like they break them up to the equal parts. They divide up by four. They go, nope, you're going to pay an extra dollar just because we're breaking that out of a four pack. And that's even at breweries. Like breweries, you can't, you have to buy four packs or six packs or whatever format they have it in. Yeah, here at singles, everything singles. It's always been like, it's quite rare to see breweries do six pack format at all uh, of their beer. Um, you can buy six bottles, but it's six times the one unit price. So uh, that's just how it is. But I think the price, though, like that was a very high kind of hype release. But otherwise, I think the equilibrium beers are around 70 to 90 crowns, which is around $10, $13 a can. And that seems to be around the average price for, what, um, uh, for at least hazy beers. What do you uh, What do you miss about being over here? Is there anything you miss about the beer scene? I mean, outside of just regular access to beer, you know, is there something yeah, yeah. specific that you miss? I'm just, I think, like, the whole American scene and the openness about it, I thought was really cool. Uh, like, whenever I traveled anywhere in the States, there was so much openness. And, and I know there's a lot of things that are not, you know, very open and, and things going on in the States. But one of the big things, it, it, Europeans are also, can also be quite open. But I think, in general, Europeans are a bit more reserved compared to Americans. Uh, a lot of Europeans, when they talk about Americans, they talk about them being a bit more confident and a bit more bombastic and, and whatnot, and also, but also inclusive, uh, which is somewhat you true, see, I feel you like. You say arrogant weird. <laughs> I'm not saying arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> they can be. Some, some, you know, but I think that's, you know, with every culture, there's all, every country, yeah. there's always going to be some people who are idiots. Uh, but most of the people pretty much I, you know, interacted with were really great people. And, uh, some, you know, I made friends in the States that I still talk to this day, uh, you know, which I, th- I thought was awesome. So I kind of missed that. And also just miss, miss the atmosphere and, and just, you know, going to breweries and there's like you hop around to all these different breweries and they do their different, you know, kind of beers. They're like in Denmark, we don't really have the same vibe. Like in Copenhagen, yeah, there's a few brew pubs, but mostly it's bars uh, it's not that like you go into a brewery and sit there and the tanks are there and all that. Like there's not a lot of breweries like that. Uh, and doing it like that. I think one of the coolest experiences here, uh, with like, kind of like the whole like, destination tourism with a, which a lot of breweries do in the States, there's only really one brewery doing it really well, uh, which is called Ebertoft Gorbogeri. And there it's a small farm brewery. It's kind of like, you know, Hill Farmstead. You know, in the middle of the countryside, they're right next to the ocean, huge area of fields and farms and whatnot. And then, you know, they have like every summer they're open. You can go there, park your car, get some beers on draft, hang out. They fire up the barbecue. Uh, sometimes they do music and stuff like stuff like that, I think is so cool. And I'd love to see more of that in Denmark. And, and it's happening, uh, but it's just not as evolved as it is in the states i mean in copenhagen i keep referencing copenhagen but they're a bit more uh you know into that kind of stuff us people from jutland we are even more reserved <laughs> so that's and part then, of it. Uh, vice versa like if, is there something there in the danish culture especially where you're located that you, you don't see over here 
you know, something that you think that we could definitely take a take a hefty dollop of? Is it to, is it just being reserved, not being as you know pedal to the metal on it? I think it's metal. also also one thing most Danes are. Well, it also seems like you were not too good. Like COVID just made everything weird here as well. Like Danes. Yeah. Danes like first of all like to complain and bitch a lot, even though we have we live in a country where welfare is so high and life is pretty easy. There's always something to bitch about. Even one of the big things that people always joke about when they come here from abroad is like, why do Danes bitch so much about the weather? It's because it's the, one of the only bad things we have to bitch about. <laughs> it's like it rains all the time. We hate it. Oh, why is the weather so bad? It's it's one of those weird things. So um, yeah, where we're we coming from. So what were we saying again? So, like, I was saying that there's something over there, the Danish, you're in your area, the, the, the culture or something you think the American people could use a decent dollop of, like bring that over here. Like something that you like over there that you didn't see over here when you're doing like your your beer beer journey, beer life. So in, in terms of just culture in general or like yeah. beer? Yeah, well, beer. Mm. It could be culture in general. We don't have to pigeonhole just a beer. No, like, you okay, know, beer relax. culture, huh? Not, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. Maybe the whole laid backness of, of, of Danish yeah. culture and like a bit of the we have something called the law of gente in Denmark, basically a kind of like an unspoken law. It's like it's kind of like think before you speak. Uh, okay. And it's it's I think that's a good point. Uh, but oh, it's yeah. it all there's also negative sides to that. It's also things like you shouldn't think you're better than, better than anyone else. And it's also in some ways used to, you know, mentally put people down a bit, like put people off their pedestals so they don't seem to follow themselves. That's also part of it. But it can also be to such a degree that it's like, you know, people will judge you if you succeed. If you kind of get that. So I, I think to some extent, there is something good about that. Like people shouldn't be too full of themselves. And, 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 you know, you kind of see more of a sense of that, but I think in general, just in the beer community, even though we hear a lot of stuff going on at the moment, uh, I think in general, it's, it's quite open and, you know, like beer people, like I was Ryan who told me that beer people are usually good people. And like I've, I experienced that's openness in general in the beer industry. I really like that. And I think that goes, both ways like both in the states and in, in denmark like people are quite open and also, also like if you are a brewer brewers will tell you how they do things it's not like michelin star chefs like my recipe secret i'll never teach you yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. How, how do you ferment your lagers i do this and that and this and that like it's so open <laughs> i love it so uh but yeah it's something that maybe that like think before you speak thing but that's maybe more in general uh actually i don't think you know american and european culture are that different anymore you can feel Europe has gotten a lot more Americanized over the last few years or just, you know, maybe a decade for good or bad for good. or bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how is the How's the beer stuff shaped your life? Because obviously, you know, you're, you're an English major. Um, you wanted to do that, but you know, obviously you're skewing and working in the beer industry now. Like, you know, you work in a, you work at a bottle shop, correct? Oh, I work in a brewery. I'm a brewer. <laughs> a brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, how was, when you originally went and did your obviously your English major, that wasn't the goal, right? No. Well, the thing is, like in Denmark, there is like this thing to push you into start a degree. Uh, most people, when they're done with high school, they will have like uh, a year break where they just have a year where they work and save up money to go traveling or whatever uh, before they decide what to do with their lives and where to go in college and whatnot. But then there was this thing, like, if you do it within a year or two, I think your average, your grade point average would be uh, timed with 0 0.5 or something like that, or 0 
0.7. So you'd have a higher grade point average if you took uh, applied for a degree like quickly. So you didn't spend like three, four years figuring out what you want to do. Uh, so okay. there's kind of like a bit of pressure. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. But what was uh, the thing I was good at in school was English. And it was my favorite subject in school. And I love like, you know, literature and movies and video games and stuff like that. You could analyze in, in English mm -hmm. uh, in high school. So I just started studying English at the university. And, you know, I don't think it was until I really started doing the channel and figure out uh, like, okay, beer is really cool. It'd be really cool to work in beer. Uh, and then, you know, I was done with my degree. And in Denmark, when you're uh, done studying, you have like uh, a social security net where you get paid. It's like an insurance, basically, where you pay uh, a monthly fee to get uh, a salary insurance. So you always have a paycheck for at least two years or something like that, I think, I think it is. So I was on that. But when you're on that, you have to apply for jobs to get the money. Yes. And... After a while, you also have to do an internship. And instead of doing an internship at a school teaching, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and ask my local brewery. So I went there and I applied for an internship. And then they was like, yeah, sure, come on in and we'll, we'll have a conversation, whatever. So I applied there. I ended up interning as a brewer. And back then I homebrewed a lot. More. I never homebrew now because I brew beer every day. But yeah. uh, back then I homebrewed a lot. Uh, so I thought it was really cool to experience the, you know, how beer was brewed professional, professionally. I knew a little bit already from yeah. traveling and all this stuff and just geeking beer. And then after my internship was up, my, the owner there asked me if I wanted a brewer's degree. And I was like, uh, yes. And then he hired me and, uh, paid for a, brewer, a brewer's degree. Like usually education is paid through taxes in Denmark, but brewing school is a private school. So you have to pay. So he paid for my degree and and, and hired me uh, after the internship, and I've been there for almost five years now. How? And this is probably pro the most interesting question that I had because I'm really curious. How do you balance the YouTube and you making beer? Because you're obviously living on both sides of those spectrum. You know what I mean? Do you like it, like it's got to be weird for you to sit here and kind of talk about beer, and in a critical sense to a certain extent, but also you're making it. So was there any kind of, was there ever any kind of conversation with the brewer at your place being like, well, do you still want to keep doing this YouTube thing? Cause you're doing this over here. How do you balance those two? We talked about it from the day I started and my boss was like, I don't care what you do in your free time. That's up to you. Uh, okay. And, and it, I know a lot of places in the States, like uh, if you start working at breweries, whatever, they have strict policies yeah, no, about no, what like, you can do. Like, like yeah. you can't speak your opinion about different breweries, and whatnot, but he was, he, he didn't care. He was like, it's up to you. And also going to like being at beer festivals at a as a brewer, pouring beer. Uh, I tried to like kind of split the two things apart. So like I, I never spoke about my brewery. I never, you know, where I work, I never talked about the stuff we do or anything like that. I didn't want to come off as biased because it's something I produce. So I just leave it off. Mm -hmm. And then the master of Hoppets is the master of Hoppets. And all brewers I talk to because I've been around – in for quite a while now like over 10 years doing this stuff people are saying like i shouldn't that like they don't want me to quit doing the master profits because they like it like that's what they know yeah. me as as well so even though i'm sometimes critical but then they're just like well now you can also see how it is when people critique your beer um, yeah so uh, so I, I never experienced anyone like being like after me because i'm critiquing beer but also making it and again, it's not my brewery. I'm hired to do it. I think it would yes. be a bit different if I, I run ran my own company yeah. as well. Uh, has anybody on YouTube ever reviewed your beer? 
that you make? Mm-hmm. Simon. <laughs> Simon uh, loved that? it. <laughs> oh, yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, it was fun. Um, I brought some of our most popular beers, and it was fun sitting there talking about it and just being on the other side of it. But he, he loved it. He thought it was really good. And But a fun thing, it was that was also curveball because there was a Norwegian brewer there. Uh, he was kind of drunk though, so <laughs> I don't know. It, I know they're good beers because they're they're fairly well rated as well. But uh, it was a bit fun, you know. But you know, when you're a brewer as well, uh, you you can't help but look at ratings and reviews, even well, that was though you my shouldn't. Next yeah, like how much do you spend it on tapped looking? Because I, you know, I don't really, I don't use untapped really at all. But if I was a brewer, you have to. Yeah. you have to. You don't, might not want to. But yeah. you have to because it's free market yeah, yeah. research. It'd be stupid it if you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. How much do you spend on there, and how much of is it trying to find the the truth? You know, dropping that top yeah, twenty I, and bottom twenty percent. Yeah, and you know, I don't. <laughs> I try not to look too much because a lot of people use it can get in your head a bit. But you can't help but look once in a while, and especially yeah. like I don't want to you know call people. Like, I know brewers do that. Like they call people out for giving bad ratings because whatever uh, like they for example they check into uh, an ipa a west coast ipa oh this ipa is very bitter i don't like it two stars yeah. and stuff like that to call it out it's like oh, i'm not gonna call them out there you know that's just their thing untapped is the mass of you know like the problem with untapped to me is like there's no strict guidelines on how you do it it's like however you want to look at their system mm-hmm. is how you do it so it's like whatever it's just People having fun, checking in, logging beers. I've been a ticker myself with all that. I thought it was fun. I still do untapped check-ins. Uh, so, yeah, I, I try not to read too much into it. But still, <laughs> sometimes you get a bit annoyed when you see stuff like that. And not just your own beer. Just if you drink a beer you can taste that's really good, like you, you do get a little bit annoyed. Like you have, for example, if you have a fantastic Hillis, for example, from Germany, mm-hmm. just t- like this. Tastes like it's benchmark brewed. It's unique because it has a hint of smoke and all that. And then you see the classic rating of someone who loves intensely forward craft beers with smack in your face hops and whatnot. Yeah. It's like one and a half star. It's uh, just a blogger. <laughs> so and that's and well, that's the thing too. I was talking with a local brewer yesterday. Uh, I went to go pick up a beer from a brewery down here called Conclave, and it's probably my favorite brewery in Jersey. But uh, we're just talking about random bullshit, and he's like, he pretty much has his own scale. He's like, if I log in and I see somebody that rated my logger at three and a half, he's like. I view that as four and a half. He's like, just because that's, he's like, it's never going to get above four. You no. know what I mean? So it's at three and a half, then it's more like four and a half for me. Um, so yeah, it's gotta be a tough road. Do you guys do like across the board spectrum wise, a bunch of different beers? Or do you have like a core line that you really focus on? Yeah. So like uh, we have two brands. One is like a core line of very classic brew beers and like, some of those are the same recipes that this brewery has done for, they've been around since 2004. So it's like very old school. So it's like Belgian blondes and like kind of what you saw in America when the craft beer revolution started there, you know, like lots of German styles and lots of Belgian beer and like dry stouts and stuff like that. You know, it's things like that. Uh, But then kind of when I started, I helped make the other brand, which is just a bit more modern. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we kind of have that and we do, uh, yeah, you know, your New England IPAs and double mesh imperial stuff and stuff like that. But at the moment, we are not playing around as much as I probably would like, just because we launched a distillery a couple of years ago. So I've also slowly been trained as a distiller. Oh, that's uh, cool. So we're making whiskey, actually, uh, which is taking up a lot of time. 
the brew house is almost running 24 7 now producing whiskey mash and but also pr- producing beer of course so uh yeah like, that's that's where we, whiskey or like yeah it's sing, like single malt hash. single malt okay. scotch inspired uh we do so the whole project uh, is basically where we work with uh, some local farmers and uh, we give them uh, a, a barley variety every year that they sow and grow and then harvest for us and then we have it malted and then in germany at a malt malting plant we don't really have uh we have one close in i think it's sweden but our output is too small for them to do it so we're working with a small plant in germany and we get it back from germany we brew the whiskey mash in-house and then uh we distill it and age it in bourbon barrels but our first vintage won't be out until next year so oh okay but it's a huge project, and we do four different whiskeys uh, for four for, with barley from four different islands. No, I, I mean it's it's so smart. I mean, a lot of breweries are doing it now, starting distilleries because you can be able to provide eventually be able to provide your own barrels for the brew house and kind of work mm-hmm. back and forth off that, be symbiotic with each other. Um, back to the brewery, like it. I guess it kind of applies to the distillery too. Like what. Like, how hard is it for you guys over there, uh, like, hop produ- hop acquisition for hops that, like, in the States, if we have, like, you know, Pacific Northwest hops, or even, like, you know, stuff that, is it harder for you to get those kind of hops over there? Is it still kind of like, okay, you can get European hops pretty easily, or it's just across the board, you can get whatever you want now? Like, is that a little bit different than it is in the States, even though you weren't brewing over here? So yeah, I mean, be- because of COVID... Hop accessibility right now is pretty easy. Like uh, we we, we I, I just got fresh Galaxy and Sabro and some different things a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but if we look back like two years, if you didn't buy Galaxy when it was released, you didn't get Galaxy. Uh, also, some of the cool like Nelson as well. If you didn't buy Nelson at release, it was you didn't get Nelson. Uh, but for American hops, they were a bit more accessible. Uh, usually, if like you work with we worked a bit with Yakima Chief. Uh, we bought directly from them. It's cheaper to have a hop contract with them, though. But we don't have as big output. Like we're mainly a, a brew pub focusing on cake production. We don't really do bottles or, or cans or whatever. So most of our stuff is draft. Uh, so we don't have. We're, we're too small for a hop contract. Uh, so that's usually like if you have a hop contract with something like Yakima Chief or whatever. Uh, you know, you're pretty well insured to get whatever hops you want. Uh, but at the moment, it's not too difficult. Uh, of course, there's always new experimental hops, and they're all, often they you know they go to specific breweries first. Uh, like they can play like some of the hype breweries get to play around with them first, and then they kind of start to get you know easier to get. Uh, but a couple of years ago, at least, like it was so hard. I wanted to brew with Galaxy for so long, and I missed it all the time. Every single time it was released. Nope. And then the prices. <laughs> it's not cheap. Yeah. It's not then, cheap. Do you, um, I mean, you know, COVID's not over, but we're starting to see no. s- a nice glimmer of hope Yeah, that things might return to normal. It, 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 is it just going to go back to that way, do you think? Is it going to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, or maybe. have you built relationships now that maybe you have a little bit easier access? Yeah. I mean, the way we work with it now is like we work with a few companies 
So there's like wholesale companies in Denmark that wholesale sell different brewing ingredients. Hot, hot and, brokers, basically. Yeah, yeah hot brokers, okay. but they do all kinds of yeast and uh, malt and additives and whatever. And we have relationship with these people. So it's, you know, they can often, like, if you ask hard enough, they can find something, even though they said they don't have it. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, when you have a relationship in place, it's it's it usually works out anyways. So I'm not too scared of it, but, you know, there's just a core selection of hops that we we always have to have on hand. Our most popular IPA is uh, New England IPA, which was actually my first recipe. It's not oh. like, yeah, the, the weird thing, though, is like the beer is not at all now as it was when it was originally released. Because that course. when I was, yeah, it's, it morphed over time. But the three hops for that beer, we always have in stock. And we always have to have in stock because we sell about 1,000 liters every month of it. So we use a lot of hops for for that. It's Nelson's Citra and, and Mosaic. Uh, it's gotten, yeah, you heard of those hops? <laughs> <laughs> and my boss is like, can't we switch out Nelson with something else? Nope. No. Nope. No. Nope. Uh, but it kind of it started as more of like a West Coast thing. It was, a, you know, I wanted to do New England IPA. But when I started there, my German brewmaster at the time was very reserved with using a lot of hops because he was very German. So it's, uh, you know, he was like, ah, that's too expensive. Ah, that's too much. Ah. So it was, it ended up being like a West coast kind of IPA with English ale yeast or whatever. It was a bit weird, um, but it's morphed into something really good. Uh, and yeah, we sell a lot, a lot of it, which is pretty cool to see people really enjoy it. So that's, that's nice. <laughs> the, um, I mean, you said you're you're working there, and when you got out of your internship, um, you know the the owner like uh, paid for you to get your brewer's degree. Um, so I imagine you're there for a certain period. There's probably a little bit of kind of like, okay, if you I'll pay for this and you stick around for a while. Um, but I would imagine being a brewer and doing what you want to do, you eventually want to either travel or open your own spot. Like if you were, if you had like for some reason like tomorrow, you got the ability to. You can't work at that place for some reason anymore. What would you want to do? Would you want to work towards creating your own space or would you want to kind of travel and learn? I would love to learn first. Uh, I feel yeah. like, you know, there's a lot to learn and I would love to just like, explore more and do different things. Uh, and that's something you would be able to if you had your own spot. But mm -hmm. opening a production size brewery or because like right now where I'm at, I don't want to jump back to standing in a homebrew setup and brewing and like plastic buckets and all this because you know when you start brewing on professional kit yeah. you know you know it's so much more yeah. rewarding to brew on so it's like if you want to make an investment on that you know it's it's crazy we have a very expensive brew house from germany from kaspar schulz and you know if you i had to open up something myself it'd be a huge down payment but what i really just what i want to do is just brew good beer and i want to learn more about brewing uh, and I, you know, you can do that if you had your own place. But at one point, if you do that and you open your own place, you're going to get away from that because all of a sudden you're the owner and you're going to get into more like, uh, uh, you know, a managing director thing, and you, you're yeah. looking into running a company instead of actually brewing beer. And I have a good friend who has a brewery called Bad Seed Brewing, and he's at like those that pathway right now. He's the head brewer and founder of the company, but he's spending more and more time on running a company. Than brewing, uh, than brewing beer. So he's like, he wants to brew beer more. He doesn't want to run a company. So it's it's interesting. <laughs> so I forget what I I forget what I had from Bad Seed. I had one or two beers from them. I like them though, quite a bit. Oh yes. Um, um, let's flip back to the channel real quick. 
you're probably like a lot of like me, you know, I randomly have some people join me from time to time, time. A lot of like beer tubers that tend to do like, you know, kind of solitary, just themselves doing beer reviews. And you do do that, but pretty much from the get, you've always kind of like had a partner in crime it, 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 rotating through different people. Is that just more, you just beers about sharing. You love hanging out with people or do you have, do you find yourself gravitating towards people that like, kind of like to go through the beer journey with you? Because you, you know, a lot of your videos are with other people. It's yeah. Just you I think it's just a camaraderie of sharing beer. Yeah. Like as a growing up, you know, having beer, it was always in, you know, in company. Like I, I've never been the type of person that sat and drank beer on my own. Uh, you know, maybe if it's a long day of work, I would crack a bottle of whatever and then sit and enjoy that. But if I want to sit and, and nitpick and geek out about beer, it's just, you know, it's fun, more fun with friends uh, who are in, in a similar mindset. And that's, you know, that's the same deal with everything. Like if you're into video games or if you're into movies or whatever, it's more fun to talk to similar minded people about it than just sitting on your own. Uh, so that's a big part of it. So that's why I've always tried to, you know, we've always had people in and, it's been the weirdest way I've met met some of these people. Like back in the day, Jakob the Lord of Malts, yeah, who was on the channel. Uh, he was at a house party I was at, and he watched my channel, and we ended up talking about beer, and then we ended up drinking beers together. <laughs> and it, same with Brett, who's on the channel right now. Him and some friends, uh, or some of his friends, Tobias was on the channel once in a while as well. Uh, went to America and brought some monkish back. And Brett wrote me a message on YouTube. like, hey, I've been following him for a few years. I have a monkish beer that a friend brought from the States. I'd like to share with you if you're down. It's like, sure. And now we pretty much see each other every week drinking awesome beers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's funny. how that, How dare you? How dare you threaten me with monkish? God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, it's that's uh, what's your but, um, what's your what's your favorite reviews to do not necessarily style because you do a bunch of different stuff you do like the verses stuff where you started doing like you know, yeah pretty of, much like, you know, yeah and the blind stuff inspired by you pretty much <laughs> like it's it, 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 is that the stuff that really kind of or like old school stuff you're saying you're getting back in the lager yeah. and stuff like that like when you have like that classic beer what you might have reviewed what 10 years ago yeah now you review it now and then like look back at an old review and be like man i still love this as much as i did yeah. back then or now i'm like yeah, this is hot. I don't want. I don't yeah. know why I like this back then. Like it's gotta can, be fun when you have that catalog to kind of go back to. It is so fun. It is so fun. You can see that also in my enthusiasm and like the latest Schneider Weisse revisit where I tried the Hopfen Weisse. I was like, but this is still such a great fucking beer. <laughs> and it's just like I was just amazed how how good it still was. And then sometimes you have some other beers who's like, oh, I like this. Okay, uh, mm. uh, but it's it's so fun. It's like you know. Us humans, we have a thing with nostalgia, and beer can be nostalgic too. You know, I was growing up at the time. When I'm still growing up. You know, I'm a, I'm a young adult, if you can say. Like, I'm only 31, but when I started the channel, I was 19. I was a kid. Yeah. So, like, yeah. seeing these things, it's a bit. You know, you think back to memories, and I was like, so it gets a bit nostalgic. But then some of it, you know, it's not just nostalgic. Some of it's also just really great beer. So I think those episodes are really fun to make. And then I also still really love doing like the blind tasting we started doing in the battles, especially when when like we did one with Hayes that was full blind. It was yeah. so difficult, but it was well, it was not full blind because I was the one having to try and source these beers, so I yeah. knew what we were getting. But yeah, trying to just like figure out what it was and the fact that you get some of those right, like I nailed Verdant Treehouse and Monkish. I was like, <laughs> what? How could I guess that? It was like, what the hell? It was. It must have been luck, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that was really fun to do as well. And then I also, you know, I like just 
once you know checking out hype hype is it's it's fun to see if hype beer is as good as it's hyped to be and sometimes it's merited and sometimes it's not but yeah, yeah. and you yeah, see you them, the, yeah you can tell ahead. the difference it's 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 uh when you when you get a hype beer and it's really good you're like okay i understand yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're totally like on board. It's like you totally get why people go nuts, but then you have something that's hyped, then you're like, ah, I don't really, why? <laughs> I feel like um, I'm I'm that I'm that guy if it's uh, you know smoothie sours. I just I don't understand why people don't just drink a smoothie. Yeah, yeah. And if they want it hard, <laughs> just do it. You that's don't what, have to. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's not, and that's the thing. And I I pretty much say it every time I do one of those videos. I'm like, this is a very tasty beverage. Yeah, it's just not beer. Like, and I'm not trying to like boop poop on it, saying it's not beer. I'm not that old yeah. curmudgeon guy. No, I no. am that old curmudgeon guy, but not <laughs> in that moment. But I'm just like, it's just not beer. Like, that's fine. Just go get a Jamba Juice and throw some like you know. Vodka okay, in there. In there. yeah. If you want a sparkling, um, add some soda water, whatever. <laughs> what's your um? Do you have a uh? Do you have a? Do you have a whale? Do you have a get? You've been like, I've been wanting to review this thing forever, and I just I can't. You know, I ticked my biggest white whale earlier this year, which was Beer Barrel Time from Side Project. And ever since trying that beer, I want to drink more Side Project. Man, it's so good. But you have to drop some serious cash or bourbon or whatever if you want to trade for it. Like when I was getting – so when I was getting into looking up like beer back in the day, both me and Jakob and whatever, we were looking to try and get the best of the best. And we figured out we had this Lambic locally called – or locally in Denmark – Blubber Lambic from Cantillon, Blubber, only released in Copenhagen, super rare and limited. And with that beer, we could get anything we wanted. Yeah. So we would go to there every once a year, pick up bottles, and then we'd do trades in the States. But that market has changed so much. Like most of the people who want to try that beer, they've tried it. And now in the States, you have brewers trying to recreate Lambic and actually doing it really well. So the interest isn't really there anymore. So, like trying to trade uh, nowadays, most brewery or most people, they either want money or they want bourbon, at least when it, with the really, really hype stuff like Side Project. Like, I traded like crazy amounts of bottles to try and get beer barrel time. Uh, in, in terms of secondary value, as you talked about that, you talk about that stuff, I traded almost $1,000 worth of beer to get that one bottle. <laughs> because no one bought. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll, I'll I'll connect you with the guy. <laughs> nice. I got, no, no, I will. There's this one guy. He's super nice. He watches the channel. He probably watches your channel too. I would imagine he's big into beer. But he like he he's he's super nice. He sent me a ton of side projects. Just like I want to see what you think. Like and it, none of the big huge barrel aid stuff. A lot of more sour stuff. But he like yeah, yeah. lives down down the street from there. So he'll text me every now and then. Be like, do you want anything? He'll send me like a picture of their. Their sale board. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and then he's just like, yeah, whatever. He's like, you just pay me cost and shipping and whatever. So I'm sure he did the same for you. So that would we'll be crazy. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what's what. Um, but last but not least, because we're about an hour in, so I think we're good to go. I just want to ask, uh, why Metallica, man? <laughs> or the so origins scary. of the or the or origin of the name to begin with. No, dude, you're talking to a, a, a living, breathing Metallica lover. Pre-black album, pre-black yeah, album, like uh, that. You have to understand. I graduated high school in 1994, so uh, my yeah, formative music course. years was like 86 to 94. That is Metallica. That's Master of Puppets. You know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. I understand why the name exists, but where did it come from for you? 
I want to tell you just a slightly cringe moment uh, about the channel and everything with a name. One of the first years I was at Mickler Beer Celebration, like I was one of the first people really to blog about beer in Denmark. There was a few other people, but I was one of the early ones. And one of mm. the first ones, I was the first one to ever do anything with video. Uh, and one of the first years I went to side, they have a fire truck where you can buy drinks and they have a huge stereo system. And I was walking around outside they put on master puppets, and I thought it was so embarrassing. They're <laughs> walking around <laughs> listening to this, like, yeah, yeah. And then people were like, oh, master puppets. They're standing next to me. It was like, yeah, 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 it's so cool. Like, but no, the reason why I chose that name was just because, you know, I felt like just calling my own name on a channel would be stupid. And everyone, you know, back then people were also doing names for YouTube. I was like, I like, I love hoppy beer. So hops and master of puppets is one of my favorite metallica albums so and that could kind of be smashed yeah. up somewhat so that was how how it was and you know i've been a huge metallica fan in the day but you know i don't like the new metallica to be honest the new stuff i feel like it's, it's kind of crappy <laughs> kind of it is it is crap. But, but, you know the best metallic albums for me is like ride of lightning and master of puppets yeah. those well, are gold no, no. you know kill them all is also yeah. really good but yeah. master yeah. or ride the lightning especially ride I the lightning's that. the best i mean it i is. love master of puppets but ride the lightning is like king shit of fuck mountain such a f fantastic album uh so you know uh it, it was what i listened to at the time and then i gravitated a bit in towards uh a bit more heavy stuff and uh yeah i, I listened to a lot of uh swedish melodic death metal uh the gothenburg sound i've been into that ever since uh back back then you know listening to in flames was a huge band for me and they're kind of like i call them the metallica of uh, Milodeth because they are also just like right now i don't know what the hell they're doing but one of their best albums clay man they re-released it and re-recorded some of their most famous songs and it sounds like there's no baseline they're doing a total metallica like uh, uh what was the album called where they you almost can't hear the bass um, uh, nothing. Justice for all, justice for all, right? I, it was when yeah, Jason well, Newstead came as a mm -hmm. bassist, and they kind of turned the bass track down because yeah. of the, the entire thing with Cliff, whatever. But it's just like I don't know what they're doing, man. You shouldn't. They have such iconic songs on that album, and then they remake them and make them poppy and weird. As <sighs> that's <laughs> you why you listen turn, to the old stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but, I do. Uh, like, you know, you can, you still have that. I, so I um, I like, I like, I like the name of my channel. But I'll tell you what, man, there was a couple choices I made towards the beginning. I was like, what am I going to call it? And if I called it one of those, I would feel like I'm like, oh man, you're an idiot. Why did you call it that? So, but that's the thing. It's 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 much like a beer. It doesn't matter what you call the beer if the beer is good. It yeah, defines yeah. the name. You know <laughs> what I mean? So even though you have that kind of uh, attachment, it's if someone ever gave you guff about the name like oh metallica and be like okay you don't like master of puppets and they said no and then be like then you're an asshole like just <laughs> that's a great album yeah, like it's like, it like is. sure what came after might be a little bit whatever but eh, it is what it is yeah no I, i've never gotten gruff about it but a lot of times people mistake it and they think it's called master of hobbits <laughs> so the master of the little folks of lord of the rings uh, oh so jesus the hobbits <laughs> jesus. Yeah. oh my god <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's like, uh, where were your elfish reviews? Do you do any reviews? On elfish? <laughs> that elfish? would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you very much for coming on, dude. It was very cool. This is the first time we've that's actually fun. really sat down and talked one on one. So it, it was is very fun to kind of sit here and um and chat back and forth and stuff like that. So I know this doesn't need to be said, but we'll say it anyway. How do people find you? 
<laughs> on YouTube, the Master of Hoppets, and Facebook, and Instagram, and all that social media stuff. Uh, okay. Untapped everywhere. Everywhere is ma either the Master of Hoppets or Master of Hoppets. But, you know, YouTube is where I'm mostly active. And Instagram, okay. I think. And anything uh, anything fun coming up on the YouTube? Is you gonna, now with, uh, I mean, you know, COVID, if you're vaccinated, you might be able to go out. Because I know yeah. you did a bunch of festival stuff in the past. You did a little bit of out and about. Are you going to plan to do that? Or are you going to take a year off? I really want to do more out and about. But as it is right now, it doesn't look like I will be vaccinated until like late August. Oh, it's so, that hard for you over there, yeah? Yeah. Uh, we have a, a lot of vaccine because of some uh very crazy side effects like uh, people have died from the vaccines from blood clots i think it's called in english so they stopped using some specific ones uh so yeah uh, i'm just last in queue because they we have a shortage and they're only focusing on using i think it's the pfizer and moderna vaccine at the moment so yeah, yeah. it's just it's gonna take a while so right now if you want you can go out and i do you know go out and whatnot but you have to do the uh, tests every single time uh yeah to, to go out so but we'll see what we'll end, end up doing you know mbcc they say is going to happen this year so that's probably going to happen uh but it's in october so i think that should be fine uh but yeah I, you know i i want to do more out and about because the last year has been mainly just in the apartment <laughs> yeah don't tell me about it man like um oh god man kid i have a kid i'm living in the middle of nowhere you know what i mean i actually ended up getting covid um, oh, yeah, I got COVID in November, but it, it's like I was one of the luckiest people on earth. Like I literally had a sniffle and lost taste for a couple of days and that was it. Nothing. Oh. But I'm also vaccinated now. So I'm kind of like double, double, whatever, safe. But, um, you know, my wife isn't my kid is newborn. So I'm, I'm still a homebody now. So I'm looking forward to the hopefully if people do the right thing, get to the point where we actually can get out and about and, and hang out and do some beers yeah. and stuff like that. And I went to actually had a beer at a brewery yesterday for the first time in a year. Yeah, that's I haven't got anywhere. So it, it um, was, you know, going out for the first time, having a beer at a bar or whatever. You know, I I did that a couple of weeks ago when we opened back up, and it was just weird because like when I was <laughs> when we had the lockdown here, like actually this last year, I calculated I've only worked in total a total of six months because of lockdowns, where you've just been yeah. at home, which is is nuts. So it was amazing to go out and I could sit down, have a pint of beer, and like just sit and hang out yeah. it was it was it was great so you know yeah that was me yesterday i was like blown away i was like oh my god this is what it's like i'm like i missed this but, <laughs> i missed this uh, hopefully but yeah yeah and a lot of people are also asking me to do more food content so maybe i should do that like i do a lot of food content on instagram uh yeah i've seen it you know you, you definitely so. got your hand in a little bit of what are you doing a lot of barbecue and stuff like yeah that. <laughs> main reason was because you can't really get american barbecue done right in Denmark, except in Copenhagen at Warpigs. Uh, so I just started doing it myself in my backyard or in the backyard of our apartment. <laughs> so apparently if you want to do anything, you go to Copenhagen. If you want to do anything that's not strictly Danish focused, you have to go to Copenhagen. Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, Aarhus and Aalborg have a lot of open things. Like, we have also have ethnic food and all these things, like, yeah. whatever you want to do. Like, we have a lot of culture things. Uh, but, like, Copenhagen has always been first mover. It's been, like, Copenhagen, and then it's spread to the rest of the country. Uh, and that's how it's always been, because it's the capital, and it's the biggest city in the country. Yeah. 
So. It's in a huge an international city, just globally, not just for Denmark or whatever. Like, yeah. if you wanted to go, if you wanted to go to Copenhagen, what's that? What's that? What's is is that a big deal, like travel wise for you, or is it pretty easy? No, it's easy. I can t I can hop on a plane and it's thirty minutes. <laughs> so, oh jeez. Okay. Yeah. Or I can like, take a train. It's four and a half, or is it five hours? So, eh, not, not bad. too bad. But I will say, like we talked a lot about Copenhagen. The rest of Denmark is pretty damn amazing as well. And as like I mentioned, Ebertoft Kåbogeli is one of the brewery must-visits, I think, in this country. Uh, and also, you know, like Denmark, like a lot of people, when they go to Denmark as well, because we talked a lot about Copenhagen, they go to Copenhagen because that's what they know. But there's so much more to Denmark as well than Copenhagen. Uh, so just wanted to put that out there as well. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he was going to get a bunch of hate mail from people outside of Copenhagen. <laughs> Oh, uh, there you go, brother. Thank you very much for coming on. Go check him out, Master Hobbits everywhere, unless there is a the in front of it. But I'm sure if you just type in the old Googs, it'll yeah. just pop up. Go check him out doing stuff. And thank you very much for coming on, dude. Thanks for uh, having me, man. We, yeah, hopefully we do this again sometime. Um, you know, if you ever get in the States or if I ever get over there, you know, we'll have to join yeah. here in real life. It'll it would be, be awesome. Yeah. 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 There you go. So we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.